0: Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast, Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian.
1: You're dialed into Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater Podcast. Be a part of the show live every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Facebook, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, or TheCMSNetwork.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a dream theater-centric podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. We are live at those four fine locations every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are watching on YouTube, don't forget to click that like button, click that subscribe button, and hit that notification bell so that you are notified Every time we go live, if you would like to catch video replays of the show, all of our episodes are available on our YouTube page or the YouTube page of the CMS network. And if you'd like to catch audio replays of the show, just Google talking into infinity podcast. Without further ado, let me bring on my very good friend and co-host. He was, uh, I think about 53 years old in 1997, uh, Mr. Brian Hendrickson. (laughs) What's going on, man?
0: I have no idea. Has it been two Thursdays already? It it has. It has. <laughs> We've right, already we got pull to this, pull this comment up right away. Chastity Crawley says, I've got my rather embarrassing list for albums that I would have bought or that I actually had.
1: I don't think they can actually be embarrassing, Chastity. I'm sure Brian and I have some that, uh, <laughs> you know, might be a little questionable.
0: Now, 1997, if you're from Cleveland, that's best remembered as our closest chance before 2016 happened. Uh, we were in the bottom of the ninth inning, yeah. down in Florida. And, yep. uh a lot of people blame, a lot of people blame Nagy, a lot of people blame Jose Mesa, but it was really Tony Fernandez that booted That's that true. ball, and uh, he doesn't get enough, <laughs> enough of the blame. But yeah, we were like literally, I don't know what did we get one out? One out? Were we one we, out. We had away two, two, we outs had two away? One out. Had, we had two outs. We were one out away. God, yeah, one out away from a World Series
1: title. Yeah, the first <clears throat> the first uh, championship our city had seen since 1964, and wow. uh, yeah, first World Series since
0: 1954.
1: But th- th- thanks, Brian. Way to start to show off on a downer. <laughs> what the
0: hell? <laughs> That's literally the only thing that I remember about that year. But but uh, going back, I was looking at a couple movies. Um, so of course, like your favorite of all time, Titanic. i do love that movie you can make fun of me all you want okay so just do it just do a yay or nay when i do this is a yay or nay men in black
1: i've only seen that most of the way through and on
0: cable but i liked it you're you're already not following directions fifth (laughs) element no that was horrible i I, I almost walked out i should have uh gi jane
1: (laughs) no definitely a big no. oh i
0: love i love that isn't that that's a ridley scott or is it tony scott Tony Scott Tony Scott He's still a good director Boogie Nights You gotta like that Yeah Yeah Boogie Nights uh, Liar Liar Of course Classic I wouldn't say classic But it's good My background The game Love that movie David Fincher No clue No clue Oh it's really Really cool Really cool twist uh, Con Air Of course Never saw that You never saw Con Air No I just didn't care Oh my god uh, Face Off You had to have seen that I did not Didn't care Wow Scream 2? Yes. <laughs> Big fan of the Scream movies. All right. Well, we'll stop there. Uh, the Lost World, which not exactly a great sequel, Jurassic Park. Could be worse. Could be the third one. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so that's what the movie scene was like. Uh, so can you explain this topic again? Now, I know I was the one that came up with it, but I can never explain how this is supposed to work.
1: Sure. Re- Before we do that, real quick, did you leave off Austin Powers? Was au- the first Austin Powers in '97?
0: I didn't come up on my list, but it might be wow. if, some- if someone else said it did. Oh yeah, th- no, this yeah, that is the first one. You're right. My bad. Wow,
1: I I hadn't seen that in I don't know how many years, and we literally just watched it at my brother-in-law's place over the weekend. So.
0: Is that, uh, that the one? That, yeah. Is it the first one where he's backing up in the car and it's like five minutes to back that car? No, it's it it's the,
1: it's like the it's not the car. It's like the like the golf cart thing in the underground right, right, bunker. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I could watch <laughs> yeah.
0: that for like two. I could just watch that for two hours. It's so stupid, but it's yep. hilarious. <laughs> uh, all
1: right, so the concept basically we have a year where a Dream Theater record has been released. And we walk into the record store, and this year, for example, is 1997. We walk into the record store and we say, hey, we want Dream Theaters falling into infinity. And the guy says, you can't have it. You got to pick something else. So we pick eight different records that we would choose to purchase in the event that we cannot purchase the Dream Theater album. So this time is 1997. Uh, It is getting progressively more difficult as the years go on just proving that we're stuck in the past in terms of our musical tastes um
0: well and, and also to clarify this is also a looking back to where i don't specifically go so i'm also looking at bands that i've gotten into since then and i go back and i look at albums like oh man i missed this one i'm not strictly going okay where was i 1997 because then i'd have two albums like literally yeah right so so that's kind of full disclosure on that these are not ones that the not it's most of mine. Well, I'll say at least half of my list are not ones at the time I was even aware of. But looking back now, for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, Kevin Smith. By the way, speaking of the game, your background. He says, uh, "The game, great movie. The, uh, once then you, once, great movie. Once then you know the ending." Okay. Yeah, so, you can
0: It's hard to watch it twice. That's for sure.
1: Okay. Well, may, maybe now I have to check it out then. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'm I'm with you though. Like I, I've never done these in the context of okay. I only I I have to p- pick things. For this year that I'm, I was only aware of then, right? You know, like I, I mean, this one is actually, actually pretty close. In okay. fact, I, I would, I would say it's, it's actually dead on. Which means apparently I, I can at least I haven't moved past 1997. <laughs> so well, um, th-
0: this was the hardest one for me by far. I mean, this was really, really tough.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was. I, I, I actually have a tie. I, I and I'll, I'll do that one first when we start here, but. I, there were two records that I, that I picked out that I picked them for the same reason. And I was like, you know, I don't know which one of these I would go for. And it depends on my mood. So I kind of have, I have basically like seven and then an, and two that are a tie for me. So I know that's kind
0: of cheating, but. I, I ended up with seven as well. I couldn't, um, there was a couple I thought about putting on there, but, uh. In full disclosure, there's only three of these I actually bought at some point in time. Okay,
1: let me think. I so. bought one, two, three, four, five. Six. I bought six of the nine.
0: Okay. Well, that's pretty good. Then that's definitely better than me.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So why don't why don't we get started? I I, I will go first, and I'll go with my tie because then we'll be at seven and seven. Um so this kind of depends on my mood and it's two different styles of music. And I guess that's kind of where it comes from is like, it depends on what I'm feeling like listening to. Um, one of them is like, you know, metal. The other one is definitely, you know, like rap metal, but in a tie at number eight, and I don't really rank them, but these would be at the bottom cause it's a tie. Um, I, I can't decide what my, do you have a real, real quick before I go on? Do you have a definitive number one? No, I, I, these aren't. I'm not even going to consider these
0: ranked because it was this was rough.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Kale says. Kale says I have five, but not in any particular order. So yeah, I, I have two that I couldn't. I don't know which one I would put at number one. So I'll save those for last. But uh, anyway, getting back to my tie. Uh, the first one was released on June 3rd of 97. The other one was released less than a month later. I have bruce dickinson's accident at birth or accident of birth excuse me and limp biscuits three dollar bill y'all so yeah and basically they're tied because both records to me the songs kind of blur together there's not a lot of standout stuff like the good songs are really good but the songs that aren't as aren't as good are still pretty close there's not a lot of highs and lows on these records um Three dollar bill, y'all. I know there. So I, I really, I really like counterfeit. I like stuck. I mean, everybody likes faith just because it's like a cool version of that tune. Um, but it's like if you're if I'm into something a little more modern and you know, kind of bouncy and whatever, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna go for. I would go for three dollar bill, y'all. But if I'm going for some, you know, straight up, pretty much metal, definitely. Uh, Accident of Birth. Are you familiar with
0: Accident of Birth? So I tried listening to both of that and, I think, The Chemical Wedding, and I just okay. never really got into them. But now, unlike you, I may go back and actually check this out.
1: Okay. See, okay, Metal Metal Person <laughs> J. Metal Person J says, Accident of Birth Kicks Ass. That's in my top ten. See, Metal Person J, I, I was going to run this by Brian, so I'll run it by you too. This record sounds to me, and I, I would have to look at the release dates I, I want to say that the fight record, like small deadly space came out earlier than accident of birth, but accident of birth always reminded me of, you know, Bruce Dickinson's answer to Rob Halford in fight. It was like modern and heavy and kind of like more, you know, groove metal ish. And and so that it really reminded me of a fight record. Like it was kind of like his answer to fight. I mean, it, you' probably are you familiar with either of these records enough to comment on that or oh
0: yeah, i I love the first two fight records. I think well, is that all there is? Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> so. yeah no, I love those. and I have uh the uh uh the live uh Halford insurrection yeah. or is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have that too. actually, I might have got that from you. I borrowed it or something. It was you or Bob I borrowed it from I never owned insurrection, but I oh, okay. owned the fight records. Okay, but yeah, I I love the two fight record. So you're talking kind of like a chunky sort of groovy, yeah, you know sort. But but you know sounds rather than 80s sounds. You know a little bit 80s 90s mixed together kind of. Yeah, definitely guitars. Yeah,
1: it's definitely a Pantera influence. You know, um. So I mean, it's cool. I mean, so I mean, I I like both records, but they're kind of like you know, records you put on like when you're kind of going for a vibe and you're not really trying to listen song for song and really it's like something you're into that kind of headspace. You can put it on and you don't have to, Oh, listen to that. Like it's kind of, you can focus on whatever else you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Kale McLeish. Thank you for letting me know. He says small deadly space was 1995. I I thought, I thought it was earlier. So, uh, metal person J says, I think it's more Bruce Dickinson showing the young new metal punks, how it should be done. I E with solos. I will say it is a bit, a bit of a peak and Valley record. Yeah, it, it kind of blends together for me. I think the songs on that one. Uh, s- same thing with Three Dollar Bill Y'all. Like it's it's got some really cool grooves. Um, Three Dollar Bill Y'all to me is interesting because knowing what they turned into, you can hear like, you could definitely hear that basically someone listened to that record and was like, all right, let's put them with with a big name producer and see what comes out. And you basically got the next record, um, Significant Other. So it was. It's kind of interesting to listen to in, in that respect. But um, yeah. So that is my tie. I, uh, Accident of birth in uh, three dollar
0: I loved the first Bruce Dinkinson uh, solo album, Tattooed Millionaire. It had an eighties okay. vibe to it, but the songs I thought were great.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I liked his solo stuff. I thought it was cool. Um, the only thing I, I was kind of it was kind of interesting because I didn't think the production was, it wasn't bad, but it was kind of like you would think somebody that at that point had the money. And the clout could have gotten a little bit better production for his solo records. But, you know. All right. So, what do you have? Uh, you said you have seven. So, we each have seven left. So, what is what, what is first on your list?
0: So, first on my list is a band called Gamma Ray. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah, yeah okay I,
1: i've heard a little bit
0: but i'm not overly familiar but i know who. They okay are. so this is the fifth album somewhere out in space and this again this is a full disclosure i knew nothing that this band even existed until probably eight to ten years ago or so okay uh, this is the band kai hansen from halloween formed when he left halloween after the first two albums um this is the second album that kai hansen uh, found out does lead vocals on the original singer for gamma ray was rolf sheepers which is He's the guy from, the bald dude from Primal Fear.
1: That's right, Primal Fear, okay.
0: Yep. And basically this album, I mean, this is Dragon Force before Dragon Force came into existence. I mean, it's just blistering double bass symphonic metal, you know, all the great elements of the the original Halloween in there too. The song titles are great, like Men, Martians, and Machines, (laughs) Valley of the Kings, The Winged Horse. You know, it's 63 minutes of majestic metal euphoria. You know, I mean, it's it sounds very much like halloween and and as it as it would with kai hansen on it and yeah you can't you can't go wrong with pretty much most of these albums i mean the songs kind of they tend to run together a little bit uh kind of cool on the the second song the men martians and machines when they do the the very in beginning intro is the do 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 the the close encounters of the third kind That's oh have got a little riff to start it it's like a, <laughs> a little bit of trivia there if you're listening but uh, yeah, I put that in there. Um, just I don't know if it's their best album, but if I'm going into '97 and I'm and I'm looking for to to fill my fill my albums, I definitely would pick that up.
1: Awesome, yeah. I'm I'm not overly familiar with with them. A lot of those bands, like I know them, and when I listen to them, I get into like Arch Enemy and Primal Fear and stuff like that. Like um, I just don't seek them out, I guess. But when I, when they
0: come out, I'm like, yeah, this is cool so Dude, metal person j gamma ray yeah okay yeah, that's to... my number one <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: he said i wish somewhere out in space took over the world <laughs> <laughs> nice so the first one on my list um again i don't have them ranked but i'll leave my two i i have i have a third one that i can i can say for later but uh this this record of mine uh came out on march 25th of 1997 and if I remember right, I had its predecessor on a previous list. I have the more things change, the sophomore effort from Machine Head. And uh, this is just a kick ass record. I think it's, you know, it it I, I, it's not as thrashy as Burn My Eyes. It, it's a little more of a slogan, but, but it's definitely like heavy. I mean, you know, like, Songs like 10 Ton Hammer and Take My Scars, and you know, Struck a Nerve, Bay of Pigs, like stuff like that. It's just a heavy, heavy record, and it's a progression from the first one. Um, you know, again, I, I think you know, you, you see them going into a little bit more of a groove, you know, direction, uh, as opposed to the thrash direction they started with. So that's cool. Um, I Machina is just a cool band, I, They they only have a few records I'm really not into. Uh, other, you know, especially once they started getting into the more like classic metal sounding stuff on albums like what, what, uh, what's it, the, the, the blackening, and then you know the locust one or whatever. Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not up with the names, but I'm familiar with them enough. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is just like this record is just obnoxiously heavy, and I mean, it gets sludgier in the sludgy parts, and it's man, oh man, it's just a really cool album to listen to, especially, especially because it mixes very well with the first record, burn my eyes. I think, I think they're very complementary to each other. So, you know, it's stylistically, like I say, one's faster, one's slower. So you can kind of blend them together nicely and get, you know, just, you know, a good solid two hours of kick ass, like kind of more modern sounding metal. So I really, I really like it. The more things change. Uh, are you familiar with this one at all?
0: I believe I've heard a few of the songs off of it. Uh, not as much as burn my eyes. Um, but uh i i love and i don't know the name of the newest machine head but i actually love locust i love blackening um the one right after that i liked and then i think they did two where it was like kind of like i don't know what they were doing but yeah this, that
1: catharsis the, record was
0: shit oh yeah that was <laughs> that, yeah that was it but this this new one man it starts out there's a couple 10 minute just i mean there's just there's so much intricate stuff going on in it yeah uh, on on some of these newer albums and like this dude really sits down and takes time and maps these out, man. The parts are just, the guitar parts are just. Some of them are just phenomenal. They're just, they're real dissonant and heavy sounding, but catchy and melodic at the same time, which we've talked before is very difficult to achieve.
1: Yeah, and I for me, like I, I like metal a lot, but it there's not very many like screamer bands that you know I I get into. I I, I have to have some melody in my vocals and. You know the the obvious exception is Pantera which is probably my third favorite band behind Van Halen and Dream Theater, um, but I like Machine. I I really like I really like Rob's voice. You know it's like it's just it's it's heavy. It's he's like got the nuts to it and it doesn't sound fake. It's kind of like Corey Taylor. Like I'm not a Slipknot fan or anything, but I like when you know, the guys if they are screaming I can tell it's not some like you know kind of upper register like they're kind of forcing their throat to you know it's it's just a guttural you can tell like if this guy's going to yell at somebody that's exactly how it's going to sound and okay. I, you know so i i i like that a lot so um i i like his voice so that's one of the reasons i dig it but yeah you're you're spot on with the guitar he writes some cool stuff um i mean he, he got into that 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 uh, uh, like the pinch harmonic kind of thing nope. you know like Early on, and so that was kind of like their signature thing, which is which is cool. So, um, I dig it. So, yeah, the more things change, my Machine Head uh, is is on my list. What do you have next on yours?
0: You might think I tripped over myself to come up with this one. Uh, Our Lady <laughs> Peace, clumsy. <laughs>
1: Oh, the first joke of the night. There it is. It only took you 19 minutes. Uh,
0: So much like Volbeat, uh, Love, Hate, Avenged, uh, Sevenfold, and maybe uh, Enough's Enough, you either love or you hate the singer of this band. There is not going to be an in-between. The singer's name is Rain Maeda. I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. Uh, From the opening track, Superman's Dead was a hit uh, to, to Carnival to introspective song called 4AM. Brilliant, brilliant title track. I absolutely love the title track, Clumsy. A uh, very cool song called Hello, Oscar. You know, Our Lady Peace, this is like a—it's a it's a, a mixtape that's equal parts flaming lips, foo fighters, and maybe some cheap trick. I The best way I can describe this album particularly, because I believe they did get sort of more polished later, but this is like garage pop. And, okay. And uh, I, I don't know, this— there is a definite groove. I love the way the bass uh, guitar sounds on almost all their albums, especially this album. It really comes through. I, I, I love the rhythm section a lot. There's just a, I don't know, there's a there's a very cool thing and a cool vibe to this band. It's super unique. Nobody else sounds like them, not even one iota. Um, and I just think it's a great band. I got to see them open for, I think it was Bon Jovi at Blossom, which sounds like a weird you know, kind of opener, but this was also in the '90s too. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just a, just a great band, and uh, they've they've kind of stuck it out, and they're still hanging around. I think.
1: Yeah, I I first saw them. I want to say it was '95 because I remember they opened for Van Halen at one point. Um, so that's when I saw them, and I'm only familiar with one song, and I, I couldn't tell you what it is. It was one of their big hits. I think that's how they actually landed the the Van Halen tour. But um, yeah, and I'm not really familiar with these guys. Like, I can't. So I can't say that, you know, I love or hate the singer because I'm just not familiar enough. It's just one of those... A lot of those 90s bands never really grabbed me. There just wasn't a lot of energy there, I think. You know, it's it was just kind of like, yeah, the songs are good, but there's nothing to, like, that that, that
0: stands out. I, I could put together probably... A uh, an early uh, yeah an early piece probably like a top eight. It'd be like wow these are these are really good songs, but the rest of it you'd be like eh, just knowing you. But they okay. do they do have enough material to fill to fill up a solid eight to ten really good plate you know playlist if that's your thing. Just making some playlists here and there.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean I would definitely check it out. I think you know my, my tastes have kind of um, you know progressed over the years. I mean, I'm like 25 years behind everybody else, but <laughs> <laughs> right. at least, better late than never, right? I mean, what the hell? So, uh, Johan Alexanderson, good to see you, man. He says, speaking of screamer bands, In Flames Horacle is a great album from 1997. Uh, I have not heard that one. Are you familiar with that In Flames record?
0: I am talking about late to the party on a band. Uh, I sort of started following them 10 15 years ago well more like five to ten years ago absolutely love the new album uh the new album is the first is the first full album them theirs i've heard were front to back man just super hooky super great riffs um great musicianship too so but i would know nothing about that album
1: okay well we'll have to check that out johan thank you for the suggestion all right so you have our lady Peace. uh i'm going to skip a couple because I'm saving them for last. Uh, my next record is from uh, another band I really get into. I think you do as well. But this is a record from their catalog that I think is kind of like the red-headed stepchild in a way. Um, this is also an extremely heavy record. I mean, for this band, it is the heaviest record they've ever done, in my opinion. Uh, it was released on June 1st of 1997. That would be Demonic by Testament. This is the... Uh, this is their answer to the song Dog Faced Gods on the low record, if I remember, if I have my testament history correct. They they would play Dog Faced Gods live and people were all into Chuck Billy's Cookie Monster voice, so they're like, Ah, hey, let's do a whole record of Cookie Monster. <laughs> and so you get you get demonic, which, you know, is again a little bit in the s- slower vibe. Um, but it it is, you know, boy, is it heavy. Uh I really like um, it. it the, the record's a little top heavy for me, though. I will say like my three favorite songs are in the first like five tunes or something. But it's you know, I, I love Demonic Refusal. Uh, the Burning Times is awesome. Uh, John Doe's cool. I mean, there, there's some the cool thing to me is that there's some different riffing going on. You know, like it's it's not just the like the straight, like down picking, you know, articulation, articulated right hand stuff. You know, there's some really kind of like it's like this groove kind of but with a really cool like vibe on the drums and stuff like that like it's man it is man is it heavy so and I don't mind the Cookie Monster vocals because Chuck Billy's is another voice that I absolutely love in metal Um I'll never forget the first time I ever saw him live I well actually I should say the second the second time I ever saw him live, and Metal, Metal Person Jay brings this up. He says, Dog-Faced Gods is indeed on low. Low is underrated. Uh, I actually opened for Testament uh, on the low tour, so that was actually kind of cool, I, I, although I think it was demonic now that I think about it, but um, is it a little place. Do you remember Ron's Crossroads in Akron, Brian? Oh, yeah. Yep. That little tiny place, uh, we opened for Testament there. And it was, I will never forget going in like when we were hauling in our gear and I went in the little bathroom to take a piss and this absolute gorilla of a dude comes walking in and I'm like out of the corner of my eye, I'm like, who the fuck is this giant dude? I happen to look over, I'm like, oh my God, it's fucking Chuck Billy. I was like, holy shit, that guy is
0: big dude what is he like six five
1: or something oh well it's it's and he's tall but he's also wide and shit like well, his arms are like yeah <laughs> he is too. a big fucking dude but i mean i mean i don't know if you've ever seen them live but they are so goddamn powerful now put that in a tiny little club it was amazing but um yeah uh metal person J, I love low that is that is such a kick-ass record man i i love low but um back to demonic Again, it's really heavy. It's got some really cool riffs that are really different from a lot of the stuff you know in the rest of their catalog. Uh, so I I really dig it. It's weird because I usually don't lean towards the really heavy side of things in terms of the bands that I like, but on the, on my list tonight I've got some heavy stuff. So and this is one of them. And again, this record never gets talked about. I think this was the one that you know fans were kind of like. Yeah, they love it or hate it. If you don't mind the Cookie Monster vocal, then you like demonic. If if you don't like it and you wanted some more of the melodic Chuck Billy, then you're like, eh, skip. So let, let's get to the gathering. But
0: um yeah. Did so they so have I've, uh Dave Lombardo on that or was he on The Gathering?
1: No, he was on The Gathering. Um okay. I did look that up. This was actually Gene Hoagland. Okay.
0: So the Atomic
1: Clock made his first appearance in uh <laughs> That's his nickname. Yeah, yeah, that's his nice. nickname, the Atomic Clock. Nice. Yeah. Um so yeah this was his first appearance with the band and um there's definitely an L in there right just making sure <laughs> Yes okay <laughs> Um so yeah are are you familiar with this record at all cuz I know this is pretty heavy for you and it's uh, no, it's a very overlooked record
0: I was kind of totally out of that whole sort of period uh, like I'm familiar with like so the first two three Testament albums and then like the last three or four and then the middle I was kind of totally out of and I think it was you had We were going somewhere maybe, and you were playing a live, uh, live album they had. Yeah,
1: probably live at the Fillmore.
0: Okay, yeah, and that had I think a lot of songs from those eras, and I was like, man, these are great tunes I'd never heard before.
1: Yeah. Kale McLeish says Gene Hoagland is a beast. Yeah, he is. I wish he was still in the damn band. That sucks that he had to leave, but at at least they had, uh, you know, Dave Lombardo for all of you know thirty eight seconds. I got him back in the band <laughs> I, I just want to mention that he's he's like focused on all these other projects he's doing and they all suck i'm like good lord like i mean so just uh, my opinion but well we play
0: so i i the other day bob and i at work i said you have to check this out so i i had spotify on i i, I lasted two and a half minutes on dave lombardo's solo album oh it's dude it's awful isn't it oh it's terrible like, I and then I was like, okay, let's go to the next song. And I was just like, I, I don't. I mean, I'm all for like experimental and whatever, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't. I really don't understand. It just sounds like somebody was just, just playing whenever they felt like playing to whatever. And
1: that's exactly what I what I felt like too. And
0: I mean, that can be freeing and liberating, and, and maybe it can sound good, but this this time it didn't work. So, well, I, I would I would have to assume that he probably
1: wasn't really worried about any critical reaction because with a guy like him, you know, his fan base knows him strictly basically as the, as the guy from Slayer. So I don't think they're really interested in him experimenting and doing all this other like goofy stuff. They're just like, look, man, just go play double bass. And I want to hear, you know, angel of death. And you know, they, they don't really want to hear all that other stuff that he, that he does. And, yeah, so I, I would I would have I to assume know. he really didn't give a shit. He's like, look, I want to do this. I'm just releasing it. People like it. Whatever. Like Great. it's gotta be. So uh Discuss Metal Joe, good to see you, man. Uh this guy is famous because he fixed my internet this week. So thank you, Joe, for that. You are a legend on, on TII and the Nerf Herder Council. Uh he says, this is a hard question. Science or coal chamber, I don't want to pick. Um if I have to pick coal chamber or um incubus i'm gonna go incubus
0: what about you um as far as cold chamber i know absolutely nothing about them i never have um so i guess i'll take incubus
1: okay yeah i i just i was never really a big cold chamber guy like they're okay but there's some incubus stuff i like and again i like that i don't know the guy's last name but uh brandon whatever his name is the singer i like i like his voice i think he's a really good singer and it had some cool melodies to it man it was interesting it was like you know obviously Hoobastank ripped them off, but I really love the first two Hoobastank
0: records, so, you know. Uh,
1: all right, so I have Demonic. What is next on your list?
0: Well, right in that same uh, genre, we have the, the the band with the biggest misnomer ever for a band moniker, and that's Ben Folds 5. <laughs> wow. With whatever and ever, amen. And the reason, obviously, is there's only three people in the band. So, uh, yeah, man, I mean... So if you go back to 1997 grunge is in full gear, I guess, or maybe it's tailing away, I don't know exactly. Would there be a worse idea than going to a record company saying, we've got a band that's got a piano, drums, and bass? What can you do with us? (laughs) Well, it turns out Ben Folds, man, I mean, in my opinion, is incredibly gifted, underrated to some degree um, in my book. He's he's an absolute scholar student of Billy Joel, Elton John, Burt Bacharach. Beach Boys, Steely Dan School of what I consider extremely sophisticated pop songwriting. It's very, very difficult to do and to sound catchy and to do well. Um, You know, the the biggest single off of there is Brick, which is a hauntingly catchy song. Um, The ultimate breakup anthem song for The Dumped. I love that song. song Uh, for The Dumped. Nice. Yeah, it (laughs) is. It's that the chorus is give me my money back, gimme my money back, you bitch. That's literally what he's singing <laughs> over there. That's awesome. Right. And he also, you know, double respect for a guy that, that you know, he he did a cover of Get Your Hands Off of My Woman, Mother Effer. Uh, have you ever have you ever heard his He did a cover of the darkness, that song, Ben Folds. It was absolutely no. amazing. Oh, dude, it's so good. Um, uh, there's a cool jazzy coffee house type song called Selfless Cold and Composed. And uh, I don't know, man. Just this is just some, this is just a great. Uh, I I always want to see this guy live. I have yet to do that. So, next time he comes someplace, hopefully like an agora or a house of blues or music hall or something, I'm going to be there. Uh, just just an awesome, great, great band, great songwriter, and uh, you know, uh, refreshing, you know, breath of fresh air, you know. So this is when
1: he was still. It was still Ben Folds Five. This is before he just Ben Folds. Yeah. Yep. I wonder, so did he just like basically decide, like, I'm solo now? Is that well, where the I don't change know if, came I from? I, or? I
0: don't know if when he goes out now he still brings a band and it's maybe not the same guys or what. I don't know if it's just okay. on the piano. I, I, I honestly can't totally comment on that. And Okay. And full disclosure, past this album, I probably only know three or four songs. Um, I haven't stayed all that current with it, but uh, okay. everything I do, I always hear from him. And I love hearing him his interviews and hearing him talk and stuff. He's... He's just a really, really interesting guy. Okay. Well, in the chat, we have uh, long
1: time no see. Gibson Les Paul is back. Good to see you, man. He's having a chat with Metal Person J. Kale McLeish has a comment. He says, since you're bringing up Lombardo, I'll bring up my number four. Cryptic Writings by Megadeth. Commercial AF, sure. But there are some fun songs on there. Uh, Kale... I bring up your comment because that is the next one on my list, uh, June seventeenth of ninety-seven, cryptic writings by Megadeth. Um, I mentioned production on Accident of Birth. Oh, it's Sean Faust. What's up, Sean? Good to see you, man. How you been? Uh, so I bring up the production on Accident of Birth, saying, "Okay, well, how do you not have a little better?" And I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that again for Cryptic Writings because the guitars suck. They sound so thin. I mean, it, it's like it—it's it, not good. And I—I I don't know how the hell Mustaine let the record out sounding like that. Um, that being said, Kale's right. There, there are some really cool songs on there. Um, Almost honest is one of my favorites. Uh, I like masterminds. Mastermind, like it's—it's it's just a weird kind of thing. Uh, Secret place is awesome. She wolf is great. Um, the one song that I was I've always had an issue with is Fff it is such a like a it's like a motor breath kill them all just complete and total ripoff you know I mean I remember the, the very first time I heard the record I was driving around delivering pizza and um, I was like what the hell is this like <laughs> this is just motor breath dude like um, but other than that yeah, this is this this is a this is a really good record, man. It's solid. Unfortunately, it was the uh, swan song for the best lineup of Megadeth—the Marty Friedman and uh, Nick Menza era. Uh, <laughs> Kale McLeish says "FF Motor Breath." <laughs> nice, um, but yeah. So unfortunately, this was the last record featuring Marty Friedman and Nick Menza. But um, yeah, it's it a lot of cool songs. And but I, it it sucks that Mustaine decided when he did Risk to take the weird songs and, and use that as the direction for Risk instead of the cooler ones like Secret Place and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, Metal Person Jay says Trust is a great great song. That song should have been as big as Symphony of Destruction. I am going to disagree with you on that, Metal Person Jay. I think Trust was just a complete, you know, attempt at an Enter Sandman. I mean, the riff is almost in the same damn position. Um, it's just, ugh, I, it's good. I mean, it's not a bad song, but, you know. Um, Kale says, Vortex is a hell of a guitar jam, though. Yeah, I will agree on that one, too. Uh, like I said, this this is a good record, man. I, w- I was happy with it. it, it I, obviously, I think, can we agree, Brian, on something? That if you're going to rank the Friedman Menza records, you you might be able to rank them easily in order of release. I mean, you're going to go rest in peace, followed by symphony, followed by euthanasia, followed by uh, cryptic writings. And euthanasia is close to uh, 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 countdown, but it's still not as good, I think. Where do you where do you stand on that?
0: Yeah, I guess I got confused. I, I was thinking that this was the, f- the first one without them. But uh, yeah, this no. is definitely a, the, the, lo- the lowest of the four. So and, um, you know, not to jump ahead, but uh, this I'm pretty sure this is the only one we're going to have together on the list okay i think <laughs> so yeah cryptic writing showed up on mine um i have a note in here is it possible and i'm actually going to agree with metal person J. with my trust i think is can an album possibly have maybe its best most underrated song even though it's a hit but also the dumbest thing they've ever done in their entire life and it's not fff it's have cool will travel. <laughs> I mean, how mad is Gene Simmons that he didn't think of this atrocity of a lyric before Dave did, <laughs> dude? I, I don't even mind the music, and and it, it's kind of it tries to be a metal blues thing here and the harmonica and stuff, and I and I don't even mind that, but the vocals, oh my god, the words, I mean, it's just so so stupid, like. <laughs> it is so beyond hokey i have no idea like how that even was able to get by yeah. like like I don't, it looks like a it looks like a shirt like um like my nephew has like have you seen these shirts these kids wear it says like pizza video games youtube repeat or something you know, <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah. a, it's, it's something a kid would wear and it's, and it's funny if a kid wears it. So like <laughs> right. a kid in like 1970 or 1980 have cool will travel like So stupid, man. That is hilarious. I I, I don't know. I I don't know. It's just so dumb. Like, I I can't stand that song. But, man, I mean, Trust, Almost Honest, Use the Man. You brought up Masterminds. Great. She-Wolf. I also kind of disagree on the guitars because I kind of thought if I was reading right what they wanted this, he kind of wanted this to sort of be more of a hard rock, rock record. And to me, the production and guitars reflect that. Now, I can see if you want full-blown metal, And that's what you're used to. You didn't get it, but I don't know. I don't I don't mind the production on it.
1: I'm going to disagree completely. Like you can you can have a hard rock production without having shitty sounding guitars. I mean, you just I mean how many how many bands at that time had just I mean, dude, I know it's like I'm playing favorites here, but I mean Eddie Van Halen had a monstrous guitar tone and it didn't sound thin or weak. I mean the 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 tones on this one just sound terrible. It's just not good. I mean, especially when you put it up against other stuff like, you know, uh, like Euthanasia had a fantastic guitar sound. You know, Countdown was good. And I mean, ugh, just not. I don't know. I, just, just, I didn't it, like it. it.
0: It felt more uh, live and analog to me. So I don't know. Maybe okay. that's why. But. All right.
1: We, we, got, we got a hell of a debate going in, in the chat. Uh, Kale McLeish says that the ranking should go Countdown, Rest in Peace, Euthanasia, Cryptic Writings. Uh, I, I think Kale... I'm, I don't know how seriously I can take you if you have Rust in Peace behind anything they've ever done. Rust in Peace is like one of the top two metal records ever. One of the top three, I will say. Uh, Gibson Les Paul says, Euthanasia beats Countdown, in my opinion. I would accept that. I think they're close. I, I, I could understand that argument. Um, so Euthanasia is behind Rust in Peace for him. Metal person J says, Rust, Euthanasia, Countdown, Cryptic Writings. And then Kale completely agrees with you on that lyric. Says Brian, "You are a thousand percent correct." Mama's packed their lunches, kiddies packed their guns. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- thankfully, though, Mustaine does not have a lot of stinkers in in terms of lyrics. Um. So my my next one after after we get to well, actually, you just went with yours, so I will go with my next one. Speaking of shitty lyrics, but an album that I really really like. Um that for some reason this band has continued to bury. I am going to go with a record by an absolute legend of heavy metal. Uh, it was released on October 28th of 1997. I'm going with Jugulator by Judas Priest. Uh, I love the super heavy direction they went with. I thought uh, Ripper sounded really great mixed in with the, the style. Uh but again, the lyrics are just absolute shit. <laughs> They're just we are all dead meat. Like ah, uh, uh. I I was listening to that. I'll never forget listening to that record the first few times through and going, "This rocks!" And then the lyrics come in like, Ugh. "It was just this mix of yeah." Uh. <laughs> like oh, Gibson, Gibson Les Paul says much preferred demolition. Uh, I, see, Gibson. How do, how do we how do
0: we ban him from the
1: t- yeah <laughs> permanently? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, Gibson. I, I'm gonna have to really disagree on that one, dude. I, that is a steaming pile of turd, demolition. Yeah, that's that's not a that's not a good one. But, um, yeah, ju- I mean, Jugulator, dude. I I th- I thought the riffs are really cool. Um, Ripper does some great vocal stuff. Uh, again, it's just like heavy, and it, it you know again, it's kind of cheesy. Like you know some of the sound effects. Like uh, the the I love the song Death Row. But that I don't know how familiar with the record, but when it's got that you know sound effect of the the guy in the prison taking the phone call, you hear the f- the phone ring and he goes he goes death row. What? What's that? Oh, I'll tell him. Oh, no, stay. I'll tell him. Like, oh my god, what are you doing? Like, I don't know how these legendary bands let shit like that
0: pass on their record.
1: Like, how do you listen to that and go, yeah, that sounds cool? Like, no,
0: it really doesn't. Is that like the intro for Exodus Deranged? you ever hear that? The guy's like, "I like, <laughs> yeah. I, like I like a nice salad, baked potato, right, yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: right." Gibson Les Paul just totally nailed it. He says, "Listen to it on Live Meltdown '98. No intro there. Yes, yes, that, that that's you know. Th- speaking of records, they bury Live Meltdown is fucking amazing, and you can't find that anywhere you cannot find that anywhere
0: it's so good though so that's all Ripper
1: yeah it's it's a it's like a double disc live record with Ripper and it's absolutely killer it's a it's amazing and you can't you you can't find it I I actually have it on CD I kept it and I really liked it and then when things started going away like going to streaming I noticed I couldn't find it anywhere uh god damn like I was like oh cool at least I've got this but yeah there's there's a song i like Bloodstained is awesome. Death Row is awesome. Burn in Hell is really cool. I've really, really have always been a huge fan of the closing track. It's called Cathedral Spires, and like, oh, we're so sad. Like, it's got this really cool like melody to it, and I just, I really, I really like a lot of the songs on this one. Again, the lyrics are stupid, but the music is is fucking great, man. So, so yeah, I've, I've got Jugulator on here. I, I I don't know if you're familiar with that one or not, but
0: yeah I, I did some time with that back in the past uh, I, I love the guitars like you I love Scott Travis drumming with them you know ever since when he took over um, I just I just, just something about it that's like it just doesn't feel like Priest and and I he, okay. I don't know if it's because he's trying so hard to want to be Robert Halford even though he's just his own just call him guy. Robert Halford yeah Robert sorry. Halford sorry Bob <laughs> he's trying really hard to be Bob <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, but uh, I, I I don't know. There's just something, and even even he finally admitted, like, look, I can't, you know, I can't pretend to be someone else. You know, this this is Rob's band, whatever. Yeah. In the end, you know, it ended up ended up being almost like the movie Rockstar. Right? You can't you can't <laughs> you can't try to be someone else. Ultimately, so I, I I don't know. I I wish maybe I wish the songs were a little stronger, or just just call it uh, Ripper Owens solo project or something. You know. Call it KK's Priest? <laughs> no, I'd call it anything but that, <laughs> which is the exact opposite of this. Uh, but yeah, I may go back and check out a couple of those songs now that you brought it up.
1: I dig it. Uh, Metal Person J says, I don't like the Ripper live album. They tune everything down a full step and it fucks up the back catalog. Okay. Oh, really? Tune down a full step? It's, it's heavy, yeah. Um, Metal Person J, like. I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I think a lot of people have that problem and you're not wrong. Personally, I'm one of those people that I think it's cool when a band does that. For some hearing classic stuff like heavied up has always been really cool to me because it's like a fresh kind of you know, and some of the and honestly to me, some of the old pre-stuff when they're like, Oh, this is a metal band, like it doesn't sound very metal to me. So when you drop it down and you got Ripper like just bellowing over it like that, I'm like, okay, now this sounds like this sounds metal to me. So I I would never say that I disagree with you. I I just I I don't mind when when the band does that. I think it's pretty cool. So, um, and there he is. He's like Metal Person J he says. I hate when bands do that. <laughs> yeah, and discuss Metal Joey's right. He says at Metal Person J agreed, but I challenge that everyone did that for a time. It was how they tried to quote unquote fit in, in the nineties. Okay. Yeah. That's that's yeah. I, I think so too. Like I said, Joe, I mean, I, I mentioned a couple of records earlier that, you know, a band like kind of slowed down, went to a more groove. You know, it, it's like grunge is like kind of dominant and these bands just went heavier. It was kind of like a, a middle finger like, okay, well, we're not giving up and we're just going to get heavier. Like, if you're not into it, we're going to make it even
0: worse on you. So. Well, they they went through a period <laughs> where they couldn't sell two three thousand cedars, you know. Like, yeah, I mean, they they were about as low as you could possibly get as a as a band that was just massive worldwide at one point, you know. Yep,
1: <laughs> metal person J at discuss metal Joe, yeah, and that shit aged like Lindsay Lohan, <laughs> Gibson Les Paul, and then we'll get to your next one here, Brian. But he says old Judas Priest stuff isn't very heavy, so tuning down sounds much better. Yeah. All right, so I have jugulator. What is next on your list? I believe I have three left. Yeah, I've got I've got my top three left.
0: I think that's what I've got. Uh, well, you know, in honor of our buddy, discuss metal Joe, we went on his show. We did a uh, what was it, almost two hours on this band Symphony X. Yep, that's that's my honorable mention. So this is the second album with uh, Russell Allen, Divine Wings of Tragedy. Uh, one song on here they still play live on. I think they've played it probably dear, damn near every tool. See a Lies. Uh, great song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pharaoh and Medusa. It's a classic power prog, metal gems. You know. uh, this is also the first time you get like one of these massive epic opuses, uh, which is the title track. It's, it comes at the end. Um, seven different parts. And I love how it ends up in this uh, the very last movement. It's called Paradise Regained. And it's got some of those beautiful, Allen, powerful vocal lines over this kind of a ballady piano, guitar melody foundation thing. And uh, I might end up moving this. Um, I don't know when we would ever do this, or if we would, but uh, uh, if we ever did a symphony X ranking the albums, I, probably, I might move this up higher than I might have originally had it. Um, okay. But this is a this album too is I think they're finally it's the second album with, with Russell. And they're really starting to round into form and what's going to be, you know, the basis of their sound and, and everything just sounds tighter and fatter and, and has a little bit, a little bit more of a hook to it. The riffs are chunkier and uh, just, just a, just a great album. Still, still sounds great. Even, even this many years later.
1: I like this record. Um, I, I think it's kind of like a, you can, you can hear what's what's coming a little bit later on the, on the albums actually are, that have good production but again, it's got kind of that tinny production, as I mentioned, you know, when we did, you know, discography discussion, we talked about the catalog. It's my one complaint is that they just seemed like they never the, the production was kind of crappy for a while. And this record is better. It's not great. Um, but I, I have this one as um, as an honorable mention for me. So but, I mean, it's, it's definitely a great record. And if, and if you had to pull one of these other, one of the ones that I just mentioned off and say no you're taking you know you're taking the divine wings of a tragedy instead i be like okay it's not not really a loss so um yeah it's definitely a good record like i say sea of lies is always the one that i turn to as well so good call on that one man all right so i'm in my top 3 and this next one is an album that when it was released i couldn't stand it was a complete left turn from what I thought I was going to get. I was really annoyed by it, and as the years have gone by, I've gained a lot more appreciation for it. Uh, and I, Speaking of bad production, I, I really like the production on this one because it's very natural. You always use the word analog. This is a very analog production. It's spacious. It's big. Um, and it is something recorded by one of my all-time favorite singers, one of my top two all-time favorite singers, released on May twentieth of nineteen ninety-seven. Twenty-six years later, you're finally getting into Generation Swine. Oh, shut up! <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna kick you off the show permanently for even mentioning that. We don't joke about that <laughs> hunk of shit on here. Oh, Brandon. <laughs> um, no, Mar- May twentieth of nineteen ninety-seven. I have "Marching to Mars" by Sammy Hagar so i knew this um, was coming yeah well dude honestly it's it's so weird like I, I i i did not like this record at all when it came out i was like he's supposed to rock and a lot of this is kind of funky but as my tastes have kind of matured over the years just a teeny bit like i said earlier um i've really appreciated it more and the production like i say is wide open it sounds big but it's you know not cluttered and overly done it's cool and there's some great songs on here, man. Little White Lies is a cool tune. And uh, you know, the video with the with the chimpanzee banging on the guitar was just a hilarious F U Eddie Van Halen moment. Um Who Has the Right is a beautiful song. Both sides now is cool. Um man, it's just there's some really cool stuff on here. And Sammy's voice is just He does so much stuff on here that i'd never heard from him he goes he does really quiet whispery thing and then he he, he does the big old van halen screams like it's it's a varied and really kind of eclectic record i think and i i want to say it's mickey hart that he was working with he met him on a plane he was going to retire after van halen or at least not do anything for a long time mickey hart's like no you make music let's go make a record next thing you know he's making a, a record so um but yeah it's it's something that i just it's grown on me as the years have gone by uh and because admittedly i don't like a lot of the Sammy solo stuff it's just stock boring pop rock um and and this one's a little different and i dig it so i, I i'm interested to see if you like this one or if or, or if you like any of the Sammy solo stuff because you're you have a much more broad taste than i do so
0: Uh, I like a lot of the older stuff. Um, As far as this album, I've only heard the last two songs and I totally love them. Amnesty is granted, I think, is one of the most amazing ballads ever. And I love the title track, Marching to Mars. So those are legit the only two songs I've heard off of them. But I think they're both great.
1: Okay. Well, you you haven't heard it, so we'll move on to yours. Uh, What is next? You have, have what, three left or two?
0: Uh, I think I have two.
1: Okay. All right, so what do you have next on your list?
0: Okay, so is there a guy that I bash more on this show than Malmstein? Malmsteen <laughs> Ooh. for what I want him to do and what I know he's capable of? This might be the last thing he do- did that was of true quality. Uh, okay. It's, it's uh, 1997's Facing the Animal. Gibson Les Paul called <clears throat> it right as you said it. Yeah, first of all, the production on this sounds better than anything he's done in the last 10 years. And this album's 26 years old. I I, I, I don't know what it is. I love to crucify this guy because he's insanely stubborn and his ridiculous ego when it comes to not using singers anymore. Uh, he has a guy sing on here called Mats Levin or Mats Levine. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Um, but he. I guess he's the singer now in Vandenberg. And uh, did some stuff with them. He's also done some stints with TSO and a band some people may be familiar with. I'm sure you're not, but Candlemas, you might have heard the name. Oh, yeah, I know Candlemas. Okay. I love this guy's voice. Um, he's, he, this guy has the high range but the raspiness, so I'll rank him third behind uh, Jeff Scott Soto and, and Joel Lynn Turner um, as far as this is the third best singer. And and Ingve even did a couple of albums with with Ripper. The problem is the production on him blows ass, And, and, you know, it's like they could have been great, but he just doesn't want to get a producer. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, man, the opening song, Braveheart, it's just the perfect Malmsteen's classing sludging metal beast type song. You know, you can't take the 80s out of this guy. You know, there's songs like Another Time and there's a ballad. It's called Like an Angel. And and lyrically, Ingve, like when he writes songs about love or making love, they're, they're about as cringy as it gets. But I mean, who cares? The music's cool. Um, and then when he puts his mind to just doing the metal shred fest, just just a song called "Poison in My Veins" and "Heathens from the North." And I don't know. This is just a an album that I, you know, I knew it existed, but had never really listened to it or given it a chance. And I'm like, if there's ever a chance for Ingve to redeem himself on the show, <laughs> this will be a good opportunity to see if this album is good. And I actually really dig this album. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm not
1: familiar with any of the Ingve stuff. He's just knowing that the guy is such a cock. I, anytime I, if if there's somebody I know is just a complete jerk, it turns me off immediately. And I, unfortunately, with Ingve, like I've heard his playing and stuff, and it's also, I, such a weird word to use, but it's it's so masturbatory. But. I don't know, I, I, everything I've heard is like, hey, check out all these like fucking sweep arpeggios I can do. It's like, okay, so I, I got to listen to some of the more mellow stuff to see what he does when he's playing with some feel was an um, interesting
0: comment. Gibson Les Paul talks about the singers. Mike Viscera, number one, followed by Mark Bowles, then Matt Slevin. Okay. All right. Well you can't rank those two ahead of Joel and Turner and Jeff Scott Soto for starters.
1: <laughs> yeah. Jeff Scott Soto is like amazing.
0: If you want to put I actually did like Mark Bowles, he's on the trilogy, the third third uh full like ten album. Uh, I, I'll i guess I'll take Mark Bowles third if you want to put him ahead of Matt Slevin maybe, but uh Okay. But yeah, no, we're not gonna lift those guys ahead of Joel and Turner and <laughs> just yeah. got soda. We're not seeing no. here.
1: So Chasty Crawley says Ingve is one that I only heard about because of a track Petrucci did covering something Ingve did. That's man, Chasty, you haven't heard of Ingve? I thought everybody heard of him. It's to, if you're into guitar stuff, he's a total shredder. But again, it's very he is neoclassical Shred. Excuse me. And um it gets a little extreme for me at times. Um, so, before I get into my my last two, which I have a hard time ranking because <laughs> I'm going to get into Kale's comment. He's officially I say
0: that's coming next.
1: <laughs> yeah, Kale Kale is being banned from the chat permanently for this one. His number two of 1997 is Reload. I'm not deluded enough to believe that this belongs higher in Metallica's rankings. But it's one of the first albums I ever heard of theirs, and I have a real soft spot for these songs. Kale, uh, you are wrong. Kale, that album is pure dog shit. Uh, It's fucking garbage. I rarely disagree with somebody this heavily on something, but Reload is trash. It's B-sides from a shit record. So... Uh, ugh, Kale. That is ooh,
0: man. I have a real soft spot for Charles Manson. Uh it was the first serial killer I was introduced <laughs> to. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh my
1: God. Yep. Oh, Johan Alexanderson speaking to Ingve. Yep. He says, I like Ingve a lot, but the best track by him is when he's drunk on an airplane yelling, You've released the fucking Fury. <laughs> yep. That's one of the best sound bites ever. Or in the uh uh, the Pantera home video part one. Where he's like, "Get those fucking donuts out of my face!" <laughs> it's awesome. Oh my god! And Metal Person J, thank you. We'll address this for a second. He says, "Since we brought up reload, do we wish to address uh recent?" Jason's recent he's talking about Jason Newstead Jason Newstead's recent glue huffing stupidity where he says Lars Ulrich is a great drummer because of business acumen and quote unquote knows good geography uh yeah we can bring that up I love Jason Newstead and he's a fucking idiot for saying that I don't give a shit if he knows business um he, he also tried to defend his drumming too um Mike Portnoy did that recently as well and I'm sorry the guys a piece of shit on drums and people need to stop that Say, if you want to say he's a great businessman and a great hype man, then you're dead on. He's one of the best to ever do it. But as a drummer, he's fucking absolute garbage. Absolute garbage. Oh, man. So uh, Chastity and Sean Faust are going at it about Octavarium in the chat. So we, we still have to do Octavarium in the Octagon. That's going to happen. All right. So I have two left. And I'm not sure what order to put them in because one is a live record. So... I, I I'll save that one to last. So, but th- this was so close, I couldn't tell which would be my number one. Uh, this one is a debut album. It was released on April fifteenth of ninety seven, and to this day is one of my favorite records. Uh, the opening track I've played live many times, and it is oh my god makes your hands bleed. It hits so hard. This record fucking rules, and if you disagree, you are completely wrong. This might be the most underrated band on the planet. I'm going with Seven Dust's self-titled uh, debut album. This record just absolutely kicks ass. Uh, Black is one of my all-time favorite songs. We played that a bunch in APG, and it's just, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You just, oh, my God. So good. Bitch is Phenomenal, Terminator, Too Close to Hate, Prayer, Speak, Will it bleed? Um, I mean, Seven Dust is so criminally underrated. It's not even funny. They are phenomenal live. They are just like, even a bad, Seven Dust is like pizza, even a bad record still good. There's enough on there. You're like, okay, this is cool. And, and this record is just, oh my God. I love this Seven Dust record so much. I, I go back to this one frequently. And it's just, you know, if you want to see some kick ass live stuff, I, I don't remember what it's called, but they did like a, they, it was a live DVD from the first first tour and stuff. And it's in a little club and they've got like, you know, like road cones and shit or something like on the, the stage is made up all junky. And and it's just them just absolutely kicking ass in front of like a thousand people. And the energy is just you you can't you can't beat the energy of that thing. I mean, they, basically, John started out back like off the stage like he was going to come through the crowd to get to the stage to start singing and the crowd was rocking so hard they couldn't get him through the crowd. So Black starts and he's not even on the stage. He got up there like the middle of the first verse because people were rocking so hard they couldn't, the security couldn't push him through the crowd fast enough. So um, you got to look that one up on YouTube or find a DVD of it, but it is it is absolutely killer. So um, if you guys have not heard the first 7 Dust record or you're not in the 7 Dust, man, oh man, you don't know what you're missing. First 7 Dust record is, is brilliant. It's brilliant i love it and uh i know you're a seven dust fan brian so what do you think about the first record
0: i am but full disclosure i did not get into the band until memory i think which to me is an absolutely brilliant masterpiece of an album memory
1: there i don't think there is a record called memory
0: is it memory wait i'm messing it up what's the one
1: that has karma on it oh karma that's um that's
0: next no, it's not next. It's the one after it. Oh, Cold Day Memory. Cold Day Memory. Cold Day Memory. Day okay. memory. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah I messed okay. it up. Uh yeah, I absolutely love that album. I tried to go back and this is the problem is when you go backwards like that, I think the vocals are absolutely horrible. I can't stand them at all. But I love On the first the record, days. really? Yeah. There's no melody. I mean it's there's it's plenty of raw power and energy and I appreciate what they're trying to do, but you know, I like what they grew into. I totally look. I totally respect them as a band. Loved like seasons. Um some of the newer stuff okay. is is okay. But cold day of memory, absolutely. I think that's a masterpiece. And that time travelers where they start oh, the yeah. acoustic. That is so cool. Yep. Um, everything on there is great. But yeah, this one, it's just kinda hard when you start, it, it's very similar, but you're not a fan of this band, but it's very similar to Kill Switch Engage. So if you try to go back and listen to that okay. first album, it doesn't sound <laughs> You did, they grew into this melodic machine, you know. Okay. And, and uh, but you know, I appreciate the the energy and the the newness, and and nobody sounds like them, so I'll go with you on that part of it. Yeah,
1: I, I love it. Uh, in, in the comments, I'm not even going to bring them up because Creed blows ass. So just stop any of you guys that are <laughs> saying that you. I, I I watched Scott Stapp walk into a walk into a door, um, a a push door. He thought it was a pole and he had a broken arm and damn near broke his arm again. I watched that happen three feet from my face here in Cleveland. Um, So fuck that guy. I actually have a personal story about him from a friend of mine who worked for their fan club. He was a dick. Um, David Condren. Good to see you, man. He says, hey, guys, I just binged every episode over the last two weeks at work. Love the cast. You guys are doing an amazing job. Thanks for all your efforts. Well, thank you for the kind words, man, and thank you for checking out the show. We're glad you're enjoying it, man. We really appreciate that.
0: Wow, Dave Conrad's allowed to sleep at work, apparently. <laughs> if <Right. laughs> you binge two full episodes?
1: <laughs> oh, my God. There was something else I was going to bring up in here. But, yeah, the, the Creed thing is like, ew, man, ugh the 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 creed hate is just I don't know I just I never I never I just never got into that band and it was I don't know I I, think love,
0: was, I, I really like the second album Human Clay um, all right there's all right. Some, things from the first album I like now but I don't think that they stand up and they're kind of like you know how you're into something and you're like I don't know about this now <laughs> you know yeah I I, I I'm just not. There's I'm just not a fan, dude. No, I'm just there's, not. There's, there's no defending the singer and how he used, used quote, I guess used to be. I don't know. You know, yeah. People he he change,
1: was he was he was a dick, and it was a one of my a, a, someone I used to be friends with. She she was kind of high up in their fan club, and she saw him just absolutely destroy a fan that was just so excited to meet him, and she, he just absolutely crushed crushed her hopes. It's like what? Well,
0: so yeah, there's but, there's certain people that don't know how to handle you know when they're put in that position they just they just mentally not capable of doing it i'm not defending it i'm just saying it's a fact
1: sure well real quick story about seven dust since you mentioned time travelers and bonfires and then we'll get to your your last one and my last one so when that record came out i want to say it was 2014 and if it wasn't it was being recorded in 13 well my wife and i had gotten engaged and we were figuring out what to do with our reception, you know, like, you know, what are we going to do? How, how are we going to book it? Whatever. Well, we said, we're not going to spend over $10,000. We're, we're we're setting the ceiling at 10 grand. We're not doing one of these $30,000 weddings. It's fucking stupid. Well, at the time, Seven Dust was crowdfunding the Time Travelers EP. And you could go on there and bid on different things. Like, if I remember right, I want to say, like, for 200 bucks, you go sit in the studio with them for a day and then have, like, a barbecue dinner. You would have some barbecue chef barbecue and you could sit in the studio with the band and eat barbecue. I was like, holy shit. Well, the the biggest the biggest uh donation that you could make was ten thousand dollars and for the ten thousand dollars seven of us would come to your town and play a private concert for you and for about a two-week period my wife Stephanie Stephanie and I were seriously considering taking our ten thousand dollars for our reception and paying It to seven dust and having our reception be a potluck and seven dust is playing our wedding reception (laughs) like it was like oh my god like we were we for two weeks we're like do we do this like how awesome would it be people like holy shit john and steph had seven dust as their wedding band like that that just sounded so fucking cool and then eventually we're like oh yeah but like our older family and friends like they're not going to get it and we you know so we eventually like yeah we should probably come down off of that but we were seriously considering that and i i you know i already have the coolest wedding reception that i've ever been to but if we'd had seven dust i think it definitely no one could top that <laughs> you imagine going to a wedding be like yeah okay we got a band all right you just got a wedding band well not any wedding band it's uh you know <laughs> seven dust <laughs> so that's that's my little Seven Dust story for that record, but um Um Sean Faust, how close did you really get to having Seven Dust play? Sean, that's a true story. My wife and I spent about two weeks considering making the wedding, like we spent all of our ten thousand dollars on Seven Dust and then have people bring shit as a potluck instead of giving us gifts. That was that was our idea. So, you know, all right, so you have one left, and I have one left. What is the last one on your list?
0: Wait, I'm just trying to picture this. So, like, hey, uh, could you guys play uh, Angel, Son" and "Enemy"? Where do you want me to put this mac and cheese? <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> but come on, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't you oh, still yeah, be dude. telling? Wouldn't you still uh, be telling that story? I, I, like, I went, I, I went to my buddy's wedding reception at Seven Dust was playing. Yeah, I, I, would I mean, come on.
0: Okay, I lied earlier on my math. I guess I had two left, so I'll do one. Then you got your last one. I got one more. Okay. Uh, so I have the second album from the Foo Fighters. Okay. Color and the shape. Uh, full disclosure, was not really a big fan of the first album. Um, I don't really know that I consider that, you know, that was more like Dave just sort of, you know, locking himself in and doing this thing sort of all by himself.
1: Did he do that on both on on the first and second record or just the first one
0: i think just the first one i'm not totally sure on that but um you know this this was definitely you know he found his sound and vision on this album and um i'm gonna argue that there is no better band and it kind of started with the album of being able to mix clean and distorted guitars off and on throughout songs like it I don't know. I, I just think it's a masterpiece of the way he can do this. Uh, like some examples, my poor brain up in arms. Of course, they had the mega hits, Monkey Brunch, Everlong, My Hero. But I love this album and most most of their stuff in this in this kind of period is just in a, there's an immediacy and an urgency to to the riffs and the songs and the vocals and and he does this thing on some songs. I, I call it like a it's almost like a space rock type thing. This song called February Stars where you know, they get these guitars just kind of spinning around each other with with echoing and these these different little lines interchanging in and out, and it's so melodic and and but you know he manages to tighten them up into you know three and a half, four and a half minute just just little little pieces of music and uh, it's really kind of where they sort of found this is what the Foo Fighters are eventually gonna be ninety percent of the time when they fire up a song. You know, I'm I'm not super thrilled with. I would say the last two albums, but anything up till there all kind of, to me, fits, you know, neatly in this color and the shape and what they were going for and what they became.
1: Unmuting my mic would help. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> Foo, Fight- Foo Fighters is a weird band for me. Um, I love the hits and the album tracks. I really don't like. I've tried, like, this is a band I tried to get into because I'm like, oh man, I love my hair. I love learning to fly. I love Monkey Wrench and Everlong and all these other songs. Like, and I went and listened to a full record. I'm like, what is this other trash? Like, I just, I do not like the album tracks at all. And it bums me out because I, Dave Grohl's got a cool voice. I think he's a great songwriter. Um, you know, and I, I, like, you know, I was mentioning earlier about, you know, musicians that I don't listen to because they're dicks. Well, to me, Dave Grohl is one of the coolest guys on the planet. And he's so appreciative of the history of music, and you know all those different things. Like, so I really want to be a fan of his music. I just really don't like anything but the hits. So, it, and it it bums me out, man. It really well, bums me out. Well, the, the out. good
0: news is that you can fill about two and a half hours with that because they've got enough hits. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, do they? Do they? Have you seen him live before? Uh, I have not seen him live. I know Bob's seen him a few times. I have a bunch of friends that go see him almost every time. I mean, okay. they're they're always. I mean, everything I've ever seen online, they're they're just great live. I mean, it's weird. I I I sort of understand what you're saying. Like, I'm not this massive fan that has to go see them live. I just I I more have an appreciation for what they do, and just especially when I hear this this stuff from, I don't know, late '90s to. The last album I really dug of theirs was "Wasting Light." I thought that was amazing. That was the one where okay. he went and bought a full analog thing and put it in his house and did everything. You know, nothing was done using Pro Tools or any kind of computers at all or anything. I just thought that was an amazing sounding record. Is that the one that was that they they kind
1: of documented a little bit in that? Yeah, in the Foo Fighters documentary. Yep, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, I and
0: remember they that. Back, uh, they brought back. They uh, brought back was Nova Selick, the bass player, to play on on a song. Yeah, in there mm-hmm. and. Uh, but yeah, just it's just such a warm sounding album, and, and I don't know, he's just such a driven guy. And, and again, I, I kind of go back to the Ben Folds thing, like these songs that he puts together and these chord progressions and these changes. This this is not one four five, you know, your basic pop rock type thing. I mean, there there is a lot of 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 complexity going on into the thought process that goes into this that you just don't realize. It, it might be easy to pick up a guitar and play it but there's still it's still a very complex type of thing especially the way the two guitars are constantly kind of going in and out like i said there's a lot of clean and a lot of just distorted going on at the same time or trading off and you know the drumming is always great and uh, the the bass playing too man it's just it's just a great musical experience i think most of their albums
1: yeah again it's like it's one of those things like where i know it's good and i and i know it's extremely well written and the musicianship is really solid and i just don't get into it and it's just it's what it's like there's a few bands like that for me where it's like i really wish i could get into them because i totally respect everything they do and then the package comes together and i'm just like <laughs> it just I, I know what it is
0: i, I know what it is for you 100 it's the guitars are not quite heavy enough that's what it is well, I don't mind that. It's it's just no, but I bet if the same songs there was just a little bit chunkier and heavier, I bet you'd dig it more. Because to me, that is what Wolfgang Van Halen. Seventy five percent of his foundation is Foo Fighters. It's just it's written all over his face. Yeah, but, but it's got more of a melody to it and it's heavier. Well, that's why it's great. But but I, the songs that I heard were just weirder. I'm like, what the hell
1: is this? It's like. At least Wolfgang's songs, like they go somewhere. It's like well, sounds like a, well,
0: they're they're more pop oriented for sure. Yes, definitely. They're, he's a poppier, more melodic version of, you know. But the guitars are heavier too. So okay, <laughs> that's, all right. that's my theory on Wolfgang Van Halen.
1: <laughs> all right, so I have one left. You have one left. Um, I'm going to let you go first because you I'm excited have about the this last one. Word, don't you? I, I do, I do, and <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be heavy, heavier than yours. Uh, so
0: all right, that was, um. Is My? this
1: officially your number one? Is it, would this be your favorite non-Dream Theater release of ninety-seven, or favorite release of ninety-seven?
0: Uh, you know what? If I actually was to rank them, I probably would put this number one. There, I don't okay. think there was a more anticipated album than Oasis' to "Be Here Now." Uh, okay. I remember when the video came out for the the opening song. All you, uh, uh, do you know what I mean? Was opening song. Okay. I mean, there was more hype around this album than anything that I think that came out that time, and and I first saw the video. and There's all these helicopters going around. I was absolutely blown away. It's to date, it's still one of my favorite album opening tracks of all time. It's got that stoner rip and groove. It just gets stuck and buried into the back of your skull. You get lightheaded. You know, I mean, Liam Gallagher has got that trademark. It's that nasally impression. It's yeah. John. It's John Lennon on a twelve day bender of JD and don't no filter camels. <laughs> You know
1: that's an excellent way to describe it. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and especially there's another song they there called "All Around the World." He sounds like that. You know, this great song getting better. The, the smash radio ballad was "Don't Go Away." Okay, and the title track on this, it's like forget the Beatles. You know, th- this is the Stones. I mean, this this is you could picture Mick Jagger just like sashaying all over the stage during this. You know, they just they're able to sort of mix mix in that. You know, when they go to their sort of rockin', more roots type thing of, of a stones meets Beatles, you know, nineties on acid kind of thing. And, and I don't know, man, they're just, there was just something massive and huge about this band, the way they were able to make these songs that are really kind of small sound songs sound so ginormous. And I don't know if that was all based on the production or just his voice, but I, I just absolutely love, love his voice on, on this stuff. And uh, I think it's a great album. Cool. Yeah.
1: I, i'm not an oasis fan but i will say that i i gained an appreciation for them based on that documentary that they released like that was that was really really good so i went and i looked into some of their stuff i'm like okay this is this is pretty cool so i it, i think the record before this one is the one with all the big hits on it isn't it or is what morning glory or something like i don't i'm not yeah that with that the, has a few more yeah that's that's with what champagne supernova and wonderwall and stuff like that yep. and um but yeah i mean great songwriters um man oh man i you want to talk about a couple of dicks i mean i don't know how as brothers they just just destroyed each other they were i mean that band just was owning the world and i mean could you imagine if that band did a reunion tour right now holy (laughs) god you want to talk about a stadium tour but um yeah i mean for you know again i think this is a band that i appreciate that i never really hugely got into um I mean, his voice definitely is unique i think you nailed it like you know a 10-day bender a jd and and you know cigarettes and stuff um but um you know in his, his enunciation it's like i i find myself every time i sing champagne supernova live i have to go with a champagne supernova in the sky like yep. it just i can't help it it's like you have to do it you have to say this guy too yeah yeah, <laughs> right exactly <laughs> like, point to
0: some dude <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god that's fantastic. Um but yeah so I mean definitely great band great songwriters um and and it all happened like in in a kind of a short window for them I mean so to write stuff that's that immediate that quickly I think was really impressive. So you know again not not a band that I, I could say I'm a fan of but I, I like some of the songs man it's it's a, it's a, it's definitely a good band. So uh I saved a live record for last. And again, I, you know, I wasn't sure if I should put seven dust number one or this one number one, but because this one's heavier, uh, I don't, I don't think there's any better way to close out our lists than, um, one of my favorite live records of all time by one of the greatest metal bands to me, one of the greatest bands of all time, uh, released on July 29th of 1997, uh, by the, uh heavy metal version of van halen to me pantera official live 101 proof uh it's like what 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 you what are you going to say it's it's fucking pantera they're amazing and this is a great chronicle of the band at that time um unfortunately it was you know on the uh, trend kill tour uh it wasn't like you know something like you know off the um uh, the far beyond driven tour when they were a little more on their game and, and Phil wasn't, you know, really getting into his drugs and stuff like that. But um, awesome set list, just great sound. And my God, you know, for people that never got to see them live, I can, you know, I can vouch for it that this record is a very accurate representation of what you would have seen back then had you gotten to see them, you know, when they were still around. So I, I, i love this album i was really pumped when they put out a live record pantera like i say is probably um i was waffle because i know it's obviously van halen and dream theater and then the other three are anthrax queens reich and pantera for me in my top five so you know but i think i i'm i consistency it, man pantera just goddamn, and i love Dimebag so much i love dime bag and to me what's always been cool like i said like you know Diamond Vinny, the last thing they would say to each other before kicking into a set was Van Halen, you know, they would like fist bump or high five or go Van Halen. Like they always wanted to be like Eddie and Alex and, you know, they're Diamond Vinny. And I, I think they achieved it because, uh, you know, this new tour, they're selling out arenas and, and they're doing all these festivals and Diamond Vinny aren't even there and people are still paying out the nose. I'm going to see him for an entire weekend at the end of July. Um, it's based on the power of the songs. The songs are so goddamn good that even without the two guys that made them that great um you know it's still people are still like out there paying to see it. So I that's as Van Halen as it gets to me. So for me Pantera is the shit and I love this I love this album. So I don't know how big of a Pantera guy you are if you like the live record but uh, what do you think about uh 101 Proof Live?
0: Well, I actually saw this tour, I guess you were there too, I don't know if we talked about this, at the Jar. Yep. This is Sebastian Bach, I think, opened. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, Was Anthrax on this one too, with John Bush?
1: Yeah, that was the show that they were absolutely just rip-roaring hammered. So it was all
0: three, okay. and Yeah. Yeah. I was rip-roaring hammered too. (laughs) Um, Almost at the very top. Uh, of that is that like almost like a gym there, like yeah, the yeah, it's like a basketball yeah, arena. yeah, the bleachers yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, so I, where were
1: you sitting? Were you, were you like because there's there's like the left side, right side. It's not a bowl. <laughs> it's left side, right side. It's like a square. So there's left side, right side, and the back and the front side was the stage.
0: So I was in the back, up up high. Where were you? So I believe I was on the left side, pretty far okay. up high, but it was literally like almost like a wooden bleacher type thing. I think that's I exactly what it was. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm just making sure because I this. This was probably the one of the most, I don't know if I want to use the word drunk, but that's probably the word I should use before <laughs> I actually got to a concert. Because I never used to do that because I was like, you know, first of all, driving, A, and then B, it's like I want to enjoy the show. But, man, I was pretty, I went with a buddy of mine, and we'd, we'd started out in Cleveland. And by the time we got there, well, man. <laughs> so. But, uh, yeah, good. that was an, that was absolutely, but I thought Pantera sounded great. It's the only time I ever got to see him. Um, I know nothing at all about this album, but if it's uh, got the set list Ooh. and the and the uh, stuff that that we saw, then I, I guess I'd totally dig it.
1: Wow, yeah, dude, you, you definitely have to check this one out. It is, oh my god, it's great. It's it's just great. It's great. It's it. You can't really tell. I mean, there's fade ins and fade outs here and there, but it is like like best performances from different cities. I think like three or four of them three or four different shows but i mean it's just man oh man it just totally it oh god it's so good um like i said they, they pull out some really cool stuff like c- kind of deeper tracks from Trendkill, which is cool it's not just i mean they have war nerve and stuff like that but like they pull out like sandblasted skin and everything it's pretty cool um there's a comment up here metal uh Metal Person J says official 101 live's is awesome but that Domination Hollow mishmash is dumb and should have been replaced with Primal Concrete Sledge which was a god tier live staple. Well I think that's why they did that though dude I mean I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of that mashup either uh, Metal Person J but I, I think Primal Concrete Sledge I think they'd probably beaten into the ground at that point so um, I don't know if that's the one you would replace it with but I, if you're going to replace it with something for me and let's say pull off Cowboys I would say let, let's do Heresy Let's hear the the trendkill, trendkill era, Pantera do Heresy. That'd be that'd be awesome to me. So, um, oh Jesus, Giovanni Palaya. He he shows up and ah, oh, Giovanni, what are you doing? It's good to see you. But he says, don't forget about here in the now frontier. He says, even though the captain was starting to let go of the wheel, it's still a worthy album. No, Giovanni, no, no, that record is terrible. <laughs>
0: oh. See, I still think, like, the first three songs man. are okay.
1: Stop. Just stop. It's terrible. It is awful. Man. Oh, Circle J, man. Good to see you, dude. He says, joined late, but Megadeth Cryptic Writings. I probably listen to that CD once a day for a while. Yeah, we had that one in here. I did. Uh, Brian did not, but um, I did shit on the guitars. Brian says the guitars are fine. I say the guitars sound like crap.
0: I had cryptic writings in mind. I told you it was. There's oh, only, that's right. Well, Sorry. Only one,
1: yeah. Sorry. I was thinking of a different one. But the guitars, yeah. Ugh. All right. I'm, I'm going to call out Gibson Les Paul. He Gibson Les Paul either has like the best take or the shittiest take. That guy has no <laughs> in-between takes on the show. He says, saw Pantera twice. Eh, at best. Saw Pantera with Morbid Angel. Much preferred Morbid Angel. Gibson, you are high. Pantera live was the best live band you could see. They absolutely crushed everyone. They were amazing.
0: How can you say they were eh? Oh my god! Did I ever tell you my uh, Morbid Angel story? No. So when I was lived around Cincinnati area, I was in a cover band there. Our bass player, his brother, actually became the second uh, singer, Steve Tucker, and played bass for morbid angel
1: i know that name okay
0: yeah and we so we got to go to one of the shows um so maybe bogart's you've you've probably been to bogart's in cincinnati no yeah Mm -hmm. okay i think they played there and it was pretty cool like they these cool seeing like their tour bus and stuff but uh but man i don't know i i wanted to like because you know because he had just joined or whatever and he was on whatever the newest album they had at the time and I wanted to like it so bad, and I just, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what Morbid Angel, what that's supposed to be, but it's its not for
1: me. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> you're so politically correct.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is not
1: for me. <laughs> well, I will tell you, man, I'm going to be non-politically correct and say, Gibson, you're an idiot. Like, good God, Pan- Pantera not being as good as Morbid Angel and Pantera being alive Oh,
0: jeez! Yeah, they just stood there. They didn't get into it all.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, hey, I win the show today. There he goes. Said Brian Gibson Les Paul says Brian had Ingve facing the animal. Brian wins the show today. All right. Well, you know, metal person Jay says that Pantera beat Walk and Cowboys from Hell into the ground too. Yeah, I think that's one of those things like those songs are so goddamn big they're the, the ones you unfortunately have to play oh yeah you can't like,
0: not play those come on <laughs> okay.
1: yeah i mean that, that's something we could talk about because we're going to do deep dives into the other pantera records coming up here in the next few months so we'll, we'll have to maybe we'll like try and do like a pantera set list or when we do the deep dives like we gotta hear this one live
0: i mean that's like dream you theater know? not playing descent of the nomax come on you can't like
1: they <laughs> can't go out like that jeez you always bring up descent of the nomax you just love that song i do Man, oh man! So, sidebar conversation. We'll get out of here. So, um, man, that Octavarium in the Octagon in the chat has been going crazy. Chastity and Sean Faust and Kale and they really want they really want to get into the song Octavarium, man. They they want to kind of go at each other. And, and I know you you you're like I'm sitting that one out. So that <laughs> that'll be me as the referee. <laughs>
0: okay, you got so, you got to wear one of those referee shirts and get a whistle uh, and stuff.
1: I totally should. I totally should. I, I I
0: think it's a great topic, man. It's like, you know,
1: they're they're we're busy doing our show and they're they're having their own little conversation here on the side. Like, man, that is that is gonna be cool. Yeah, Jesse Crowley. Oh, come on, Brian. <laughs> Brian doesn't think we can pull off a whole episode bullshitting about one twenty four minute song, but Brian would be wrong. Brian would be wrong. It's like a mini fan hangout, dude.
0: Hey, there's, so, a, first, there's a first time for everything. Me
1: being wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Kale says he's in. We just got to get Adam Rishog on board and we'll make it happen. Um, as of right now, though, Brian, are we sticking to our show schedule? Because we already have next uh, the next episode laid out. And
0: Well, that's it, up to you.
1: I'm in if you're in. I, I'm i very excited to talk about uh what we are going to talk about on the next record because uh, my cover band, our bass player is quitting and we are auditioning a guy uh, this coming Friday whose hero is the bass player of the band that we are going to be deep diving on our next episode. That being Billy Sheehan of Sons of Apollo. And we are going to be digging into the psychotic symphony record. I've, I've been looking forward to this since we started the show because I well, I mean, shit, you and I, I mean, how many times have we talked about our trip to Battle Creek, Michigan, you know, to go to go see Sons of Apollo at that little tiny place. But yeah, so we're we're going to be we're going to be digging into Psychotic Symphony by Sons of Apollo. So I'm I am really looking forward to that one, dude, because I think I still think these records don't get talked about enough. And I really hope they do a third one. Um, I know the odds are very long, but I'm hoping they do, man. I absolutely love that album. So. Well, speaking Um, of Billy
0: Sheehan, Johan Alexanderson is is seeing Billy live tomorrow with the Winery Dogs. Awesome! Oh, very cool. cool. All
1: right, Johan, Johan, let us know where you're at. Like, are you in? Like, because I think they just started their California tour, or they are they still in Europe? So let let us know where you're at, Johan. So let's see where you're going to see the show. Kale's excited. Says, "Ooh, Psychotic Symphony." (laughs) Yeah, that. Yeah, dude, it's a great it's a great record, and I'm I'm really surprised uh that people don't talk about it more you know it's it's I I've always been surprised that it wasn't more that project wasn't better received by dream theater fans I really thought it would have gained some more traction but um johan says he's in San Diego all right oh, a whale a whale's vagina um <laughs> <laughs> That's San, what San Diego, Diego actually means <laughs> yeah San Diegans. Look, Gibson, what is with you tonight? Gibson Les Paul says, first Sons of Apollo album was decent. No, it was awesome. Second was pretty awful. No, the second one might be even better than the first. God damn it, well, Gibson. Well, hold,
0: hold on there. I know. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> oh, You're both insane for those two takes. <laughs> Dude, Really? You like okay. Well, you like the first one,
1: better than the second one. I yeah. guess we'll have to get. Uh, I guess we'll have to discuss that when we dig into MMXX later in the year. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, yeah. Our next our next show, guys, will be in two weeks. It is going to be. Let me think of the dates here. Do 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 do. It'll be uh, June first. It will be Thursday, June first, at. 7 30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Facebook, YouTube, talking into infinity.com and the CMS network.com. And we will be doing a deep dive into Sons of Apollo's debut record, Psychotic Symphony. Uh, Brian, this was a blast, man. I we were worried about having having enough, you know, stuff to fill the whole episode because we were having a hard time coming up with records. But here we are, an hour and a half in and uh you know, I th- I think we did it.
0: <laughs> so Yeah, we did a lot better than I thought. When I first started kind of looking through the list, I was like, "Oh man." But I think we both had a good mix and uh I I can't really argue anything that either of us picked, honestly. No. And it was
1: it was one of those rare times where you know, we had different stuff. I mean, we only had one crossover album or usually we've got a bunch. So Well, uh, I thought and
0: in full disclosure, I probably would have picked the Pantera, but I knew you were going to pick it, so <laughs> I'm so transparent. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's just obvious and I'm like, I never and I knew also knew that you had listened to it probably since probably the day it came out too. So I'm like, it's kind of yeah. stupid for me to pick it now. So
1: Yeah, it's, but I mean you picked some great stuff, man. And it was we were kind of on two different sides of the you know, yep. two different sides of the, of the fence here. I, I had a lot of heavy stuff, you had a lot more melodic stuff. It was it was pretty cool. So um All right, guys, on that note, we're going to take off for tonight. But uh, all you guys in the chat, Chastity Crawley, Sean Faust, Gibson Les Paul, Cale McLeish, uh, Giovanni Palaya, Johan Alexanderson, uh, Circle J, good to see you, man. Uh, Metal Person J, all you guys, thank you so much for hanging out for another episode of Talking Into Infinity. Hopefully we see you guys in two weeks. Again, it is going to be Thursday, June 1st at 7.30 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, Facebook, YouTube, talkingintoinfinity.com, the CMS If you are on YouTube, make sure you click that like button, click that subscribe button, smash the notification bell. And again, if you want to check out the audio version of the show, just Google Talking Into Infinity podcast. So uh, until two weeks from now, we start digging into, you know, one of the best prog records ever, in my opinion. Uh, I am Brian, he is John, and as always, guys, Carpe Diem hey everyone thanks for checking out talking into infinity a dream theater podcast just wanted to remind you that we want you to be a part of the show if you give us a like on facebook or follow us on twitter at t-i-i-d-t podcast we post the schedule of when we are recording the show live It is a streaming video platform on our Facebook and YouTube pages. And it has a live chat feature where you can comment on the show, ask questions, and we can bring your remarks up on the screen and have you drive the conversation. So again, give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at T-I-I-D-T podcast, and come hang out with us and be a part of the show. Thanks again and carpe diem.